together on an intergenerational Sunday, we were with Samuel, and uh, we stood alongside that teenager, 12-year-old Samuel, and we were listening in on God's call in his life. And we learned that we're all called, whether it's the older people in the room or the younger people in the room, all of us are called. We're called to be voices of wisdom. We're called to be voices of encouragement. We're called to be voices of care. We're called, as we said a couple of weeks ago, even to bring sometimes a stinging word or a tingling word to the ears of each other. We're called to be voices of comfort. And that's the way that we listen to God. If you wonder, how do we listen to God? How do we hear from God? It's not always from just directly the Bible or the, the written word being said to us. Sometimes it's us speaking to each other, carrying forth the word of the Lord as we encourage and comfort and care and challenge each other on this road of faith. So now we're about 150 years later further in the story from Samuel. And uh, Samuel went on to grow up and be wise and also anoint kings. And so then for several decades, kings ruled over Israel. And we know probably of the good kings. King, king David was a good king. King Joash. Yeah, Joash was a good king. Any other good kings we remember? Solomon, yeah, good king. So we had a series of good kings, but as the cycle often went with the people of God, it went downhill. And the kings got worse and worse and worse, and their habits and their power-seeking got darker and darker and darker. And so we end up today in the land of King Ahab who was probably one of the darkest, wickedest kings of all. You kind of think of those Disney dark thrillers. In a land of darkness and doom, there ruled an evil king. And, and this is King Ahab. Ahab's evil. And to make things wickeder, he marries an evil woman named Jezebel. And so the two of them then rule over the land. They are wicked as wicked can get. They oppress the poor. They break the backs of the needy just so that they can get their name and their power better and better. But behold, in the midst of the darkness, there comes a man. Elijah, this kind of rural bumpkin kind of wheat, piece of wheat in his mouth kind of guy. Hey, everybody. From this little town called Tishbe. And if you read about Tishbe and do your Old Testament history lesson, Tishbe isn't really known as anywhere anymore. So he literally came from nowhere. But his God is Yahweh. And so this podunk farmer has God on his side. And so he has this message for the wicked king. He says, you rely on yourself and your powers to rule. But I tell you that my God, my God reigns. And in the face of your God, who is a rain God, this famous rain God named, some of you might know, 
Baal, or Baal. In the face and the time of this rain god, Baal, what does Elijah says? Word of the Lord, the heavens are going to shut up for three years. There will be no rain in this land. So Ahab, Jezebel, you take that to your rain god and see how that works out. And you might think this is just a a lesson for Ahab and Jezebel, but there's lessons that Elijah learns too. He pronounces this drought, and he ends up in what I'm calling a couple of classrooms. He goes to school. God, Yahweh, takes him to school. And the first classroom is wilderness. Um, I was thinking, what's what's the subject of wilderness? Outdoor education. It's like the outdoor ed class. And so um, Elijah goes out in the wilderness He's solitary, he's alone, he's hungry. Fortunately, there's a babbling brook nearby so he can stay hydrated, but there's no meat, there's no bread. And that's why uh, Don was preparing the way for us in saying the unexpected happens. He gets fed by ravens. Ravens bring him meat and bread in the morning and meat and bread later in the day. God showing up in the most unexpected times and the most unexpected ways. That seems to be part of the story of God. God will use all of creation to help us in our time of need. But there's a second classroom that Elijah ends up, and I, I, I call this one the classroom of the danger zone, which doesn't sound like a great classroom to be in. But I was thinking of when I was a kid, we used to play dodgeball, Dr. Dodgeball. Ever heard of that one? Is that still a thing? Dr. Dodgeball? Yes, it is in some of your schools. Dr. Dodgeball? Yes, okay. I see that hand. Good. And so in Dr. Dodgeball, there would be this safe zone at the end of the gym where the doctor would kind of go back and forth and monitor what was going on. But then there was this danger zone in this first part of the gymnasium. And if you were in the danger zone and you got hit by the ball... You had to hit the floor because you got dinged, you're injured. And until the doctor comes from the safe zone and drags you back to safety, you're frozen, dinged in the center of the gym. And so I was thinking that because that's kind of the danger zone, right? And Elijah was sent to a danger zone. He was sent to a place where it was actually enemy territory. Because the land of Sidon was actually, guess who was born there? Jezebel. I've got a Bible scholar here to my left. (laughs) Wicked Jezebel was actually born and raised and had all her evil formation (laughs) in Sidon. And so can you imagine Elijah going, "Uh, okay, yes, the brook dried up, but now I'm going to Jezebel's hometown? (laughs) Are you crazy, Lord? Who's going to take care of me there? They're all going to know about me. This is like a rural area. The word gets around. But again, in this classroom danger zone, what do we see? God shows up for Elijah. And unexpected ways, unexpected forms. It's not this hero or some superhero who swoops down and feeds Elijah, but it's this Poor woman, this single mom, 
who's doing all she can to just take care of herself and her son, gathering sticks, gathering a bit of barley seed, uh, trying to make the most of a last meal. And Elijah says, the Lord says, you need to feed me too. And it's interesting how she responds to him. It's almost like, who the heck are you? And why are you asking me for help? I know who you are, and I should be just taking care of myself. The Lord, your God, brought this drought on the land, and you want me to feed you in your time of need? She could have come up with a hundred reasons to say no. And yet we believe the Spirit working in the world, doing unexpected things in unexpected places, moves upon her heart and says, okay, I'm going to feed you. And so they partake in these, what you might call an Elijah cake. And Elijah learns another lesson of God's faithfulness in unexpected ways that God shows up when we're in times of need. So, My encouragement to us as we walk out of this story in these days is to think about what are the lessons we can learn alongside Elijah today. May God give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to respond, maybe even noses to smell, the providence of the Lord. Can you smell that? It's almost like God is providing some Elijah cakes in our midst. Elijah cakes? Are there Elijah cakes for us suffering souls this morning in the house of the Lord? Reverend Jeremy and his crew are here with the Elijah cakes. Hallelujah! If you want an Elijah cake, raise your hand and be served by our youth who are preparing the way for us to the table of the Lord, giving us a little bit of um, extra nourishment for the journey. Yeah, hold your hand high. Elijah cakes. These are made, uh, there's some, I think there's some gluten-free ones here even, right? There's some gluten-free Elijah cakes. As those Elijah cakes are coming round, I want us to to reflect on a question. Where do you find yourself today in need? What do you feel like you're running out of? What do you feel like you're running out of? Maybe you're running out of grace. (laughs) Maybe you're running out of patience. Maybe you're running out of love and mercy. What are you running out of in these days? Because the promise for us, the good news from this story today, is that The jar of meal will not run out. The jug of oil will not fail. And so I I did bring a a jug and a jar. And so even after service, perhaps just as a sign of praying and longing for God, you might just reach in and touch this 
barley meal and be reminded of God's grace and God's faithfulness. The jar of meal will not run out. Or maybe you'll look inside this jug of oil and though it is running almost out, we believe it will not fail. And so even as we pray today, even as we come to the table of the Lord and we pass the trays of bread or we pass the cups of juice, might that be a way for us to be quietly sharing that promise? When we pass the bread of the Lord to that person sitting next to us, maybe quietly say, the jar of meal will not run out. Or maybe when you're passing the tray of cups to someone near you today, you might say, the jug of oil will not fail. That nurturing, that pouring in of the Spirit into our lives, we press into the promises, believing that whatever we're lacking in these days, we press into these promises. Do not be afraid. You will have enough. Do not be afraid. You will have enough. As you're passing the bread, as you're passing the cup, maybe that's a phrase you share. Do not be afraid. There will be enough. The jar of meal will not run out. The jug of oil will not fail. I invite you to sit in silence. And then soon we'll sing the hymn of approach, but for just 20 or 30 seconds. Live and breathe in these promises. Do not fear. There will be enough. The jar of meal will not fail. The jug of oil will not run out.